You are listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hello and welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I am your host, Giovanna Capoza, and I'm here today with my good friend and colleague, coach, writer, and speaker, Dr. Mandy Leto. Mandy is a champion of people seeking more, which typically includes more light, more peace, more purpose, and more authenticity. She supports high achievers who are ready to redefine success without taking the off-ramp into self-help oblivion. There's no need for a silent ashram if you're an extrovert in zebra-striped stilettos, and boy, is that ever true. In this episode, Mandy and I both discuss our real-world, real-life rock-bottom moments. Mandy especially, she's a high-achieving woman and a type-A personality still, and yet she's found a way to live a way that is more balanced and more supportive of her personal health. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to dive into what it looks like to ignore burnout, what the early signs are, and what it looks like when you've actually hit the wall. You might think, well, that's obvious. You hit the wall. You have no energy. You're down for the count. And while that is true, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to wait that long before you recognize the signs of burnout. So in this episode, Mandy and I go into her personal story about what this looked like for her and the lessons she received along the way and the ones that she imparts now to her clients in the corporate world and out who are ready to start living a life with more balance, purpose, and most of all, peace. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Miss Mandy Leto. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you because you are, I was going to almost say you're like former overachiever, you know, turned this amazing Zen master coach. But you know, we, you and I, we still struggle with the overachievement, don't we? I think it's one of those things that lurks in your system like a cold sore virus and yes. under the wrong circumstances, it rears its ugly head. So yeah, totally. I would love to pretend it's gone, but no, not yeah. there yet. I agree. I don't think it's something that we can cure. And it's that's kind of where I want to dive into today because, you know, obviously the the type A high achieving woman that listens to my podcast and that um, I coach and you coach as well. Um, there's sometimes this thing, and I know this just from personal where it's like, we've seen where this has gotten us and we think, oh, I've got to fix this. Like, I can't be like this anymore. But there is that element that you just said where it, it is in there. It just sort of, it's part of who we are. It's like almost part of that little uh, identity or psyche that we have. And I wonder if you could share briefly um, your journey through this with the audience, because you were a former investment banker who, um, you know, self, self-assessed, said you were completely uh, detached from your body, completely ignoring what it was telling you about your level of stress and fatigue and, and the physical symptoms. So walk us through that a little bit and then we'll kind of dive and weave in there. I'll start with one of my first, well, I'll start first with one of my favorite quotes. Life tells you nothing. It shows you everything. Mm. And so I, 
went into investment banking, having finished a PhD, and I was raring to go and prove to the world that I was I was going to make an, an amazing career for myself. And I think because it was such a stressful job, and there were a lot of very challenging personalities to deal with, I think I learned as a skill like from a small child, and I think it really went on steroids being in banking, how to suppress a lot of things that I didn't want to deal with, feelings, emotions, rage, even the knowing that this was not really the right place for me. It's just my head really took over as the control center and did everything it possibly could to sever the wisdom of my body. So I, ba I basically became a head on legs. And I think I was very successful in my banking career like that because I could really unleash my type anus, my three in the Enneagram, my my passion and my just my gumption. And it served me. But like any strength that we have, any strength overdone becomes a weakness. And eventually, when I left banking, I didn't crash and burn while I was in banking. It was only afterwards because I think it was a slow burn, this abandoning myself, abandoning my knowing. It happened actually after I was on maternity leave with my daughter and I decided to leave banking. And I think it's a little aside, does that ever happen to you? Like when you go on holiday and you finally relax and then you either get a cold sore or you get a cold or something like that, that it, it happens. Absolutely. At that yeah, absolutely. So, so I think this was a case of the burnout lurking there. And then as soon as I left and had a little bit of headspace, well, as much as you can have with a newborn, all of a sudden I started to feel achy and I was exhausted and I just blamed it on being awake with the baby and I ignored it I thought this is just part of it and then I decided I was going to start my coaching business and I trained for that and I opened another business an image consulting business and little by little it's so insidious this burnout thing that it becomes something that the symptoms of it I somehow normalized them, all of the aches and the pains and waking up exhausted and needing more and more coffee to be able to get through the day or needing that half a chocolate bar after lunch and then actually eating the whole thing and just saying, oh, tomorrow I'll do better. The wine in the evening to unwind and getting into that little pattern, which after weeks, months, years feels normal. And one day with no particular warning, I really could not get out of bed. I ached. And I got myself into the shower somehow. And then I had my hair in the towel like a turban. And I lay down afterwards. And I was so exhausted after putting my underpants on. I fell into this anesthetic sleep like an X on the bed and woke up three hours later thinking, oh my gosh. what has happened to me? <laughs> and then little things like climbing stairs, which used to be pretty basic. I was super fit at the time. And eventually it got so bad that I had to take three or four stairs and cling on to the wall and my heart is jackhammering. And I'm thinking, I need more coffee. <laughs> and I laugh which is now. Which is, yeah, I mean, we were kind of talking a little bit before the recording and that, that sort of like, I go back to my days as a clinician and that just like makes me cringe and laugh at the same time because it's like, oh no, your heart's pumping so fast <laughs> and you're having more coffee. Um, and it's funny, I just also want to catch too, Mandy, that you... I love that you use the word normalization because this is, I think, when, you know, my fascination with this culture of burnout that we have 
is that we've almost normalized, right? We've made being busy like this like accolade, like, oh yeah, you're busy. Um, almost being exhausted has become the new badge of honor, like, oh, I'm exhausted, you know? And we normalize all these things. And I love that you just said right now, you know, I was super fit at the time, but you weren't internally, right? So it's like, we do this thing where we look outside and we're like, well, I'm super fit. Like I've been going to the gym and I'm you know, this size or whatever. And so that that's kind of funny. I just caught you say, well, I was super fit at the time, but your insides were just slowly, you know, depleting. Absolutely. And it took that kind of utter physical rebellion because I was <laughs> yeah, just I not wanting to hear. I knew best. I knew how to run my life. I knew how to be successful. And what happened next is I happened to bump into a friend and she said, oh, I've been going to this amazing nutritional therapist. So I thought, give me her number. I'm sure she's got some kind of a foul tasting green drink or some kind of a pill I can take to get me, <laughs> to get me back to normal. Just a quick fix. Yeah. Just a quick fix so I can get back to what I'm supposed to be doing because I was trying to run more on the treadmill to get give me the endorphin high and having an, another espresso in the afternoon, anything to kind of keep me oh, no. propped up. <laughs> and then she did an adrenal test on me. She said, oh, I'm sure it's nothing, but let's just do this saliva test. And then she called me and she said, I think you need to sit down. And she then showed me on the screen what a normal person's graph looks like. And she said, well, you are certainly an overachiever. You know, you, you don't want to be normal in any way, do you? Mine was basically <laughs> off off the charts. So she said immediately, you need to come off coffee, sugar, wheat, uh, all of these things that I had been using to scaffold myself up. And she said, oh, by the way, you're going to feel worse before you feel better. And that couldn't begin to explain the absolute crash and burn that I experienced after that. So I had no idea how much energy I was borrowing from tomorrow and the next day just to prop myself up for today. So when all of that support was taken away, that was when it all came down like a house of cards and where I didn't have the strength to climb stairs. I was literally going up the stairs on all fours like a baby. And it wasn't just the pain and it wasn't just the loss of energy, but having to spend weeks, months, and it actually became nearly a year when I was not fit for purpose at all, of having to stew in my own juices. The worst pain was not physical, although that was pretty bad too. It was the loss of an identity because I was so over-identified with achieving that when I couldn't do all the things I was doing anymore... I had no idea who I was. That's beautiful. I want to I want to actually stop you right there because to to me my assessment of this and then, by the way this is for everybody listening this is also a personal assessment. I mean, I resonate so much with your story. It literally took me like feeling my absolute worst. I remember I you know, I was sitting on the toilet where all good ideas come from. And I, I was <laughs> sitting there because for basically two years I had been going, What's wrong with you? Like, you know, get your shit together. Why can't you blah blah blah? Like I just had all this like negative mental talk and the loss of identity and the just feeling unmotivated. And I was literally sitting on the toilet one day and I had this like epiphany of like, oh, wait, 
I've seen these symptoms before, right? And I suddenly remembered my days as a clinician. I suddenly remembered, you know, that I specialized to a large degree in, in women's issues and this sort of symptomatology, right? And I sat there and I thought, oh my God, like <laughs> I have this adrenal thing going out. Like I'm bordering chronic fatigue. Like I, you know, and, and then, you know, I started to do the work of fixing myself. But, you know, I your story is is unique to you but it's not unique in the sense that when we um so a couple things at the bottom of this right like that identity that you talked about right the identity to i am this person i'm this person who achieves i'm this person who gets things done i'm whatever i'm busy i'm a good student all of that it's it's propping up that identity that i think and i'd love your opinion on this i think is at the core of this overachieving, of this um, really burning ourselves out because we're trying to prop up some false sense of self. And what you just described there, Mandy, was beautiful because, I mean, you had to crash and burn. And then like beyond the physical hurdles, it's, it's the mental one. Because it's like, yeah. who am I now? And actually just today published a blog called, you know, who am I now? Um, around that, because it's like, well, who am I now? And that causes like other symptoms on top of it, which is depression and, you know, anxiety even. Um, what do you think for you? Because now you've, you know, you've come out the other side of it. But like you said, it's kind of like the cold sore virus. Like it's kind of in there. What's your assessment of like, what's at the core of this? Like, or what was it for you? At the core of this was, I think the burnout, we talked about this before, I think the burnout was actually a symptom. And what I was looking to do was to find anything possible to treat that, thinking that was the problem. And if I could just get rid of the burnout and get my energy back, then I could get my life back. So when I went to traditional medicine, I went to acupuncture, I went to reflexology, I had... I had head massage, I then realized that none of those things were actually fixing the dull, empty pit that was inside of me. So I decided I was going to go a bit more woo. And then I went to see a tantric expert and I went to wild women retreats and had conversations with Vag. And then I did all, you know, I did <laughs> seven that, veils. That's the topic of another show. <laughs> Conversations I with your vagina. Seven the next one. Veils, seven veils dancing and, you know, dance naked in a room of strangers. And, oh, I've been on this side of mountains in Sedona with shaman and done all kinds of deep work. And initially that work was simply like, okay, the traditional stuff is not going to work. So I now need to find another direct route to feeling like I used to feel it. I was obsessed with getting back to where I was until I realized that that self, like in any journey, there always, in any hero's or heroine's journey, there has to be a death. And in this case, it sucked because it was mine. It was my own death of this identity that I had clung so desperately to. And I didn't want to let go. I didn't let go of it gracefully. In hindsight, I wish I could have such a nice, tidy story to say like, oh, yeah, and I just realized that me was gone into the ether. No, no, no. I fought and I thrashed and it was hideous and messy. And I got really angry and resentful. So finally, when I started to see that she was gone, I had to start to figure out, well, who am I when I don't have to be somebody? And that, I realized, was actually the beginning right there of 
space, just empty Mm. space and realizing that I can now, when I've been broken apart, take all of these broken pieces and discard the ones that don't serve me anymore and actually mosaic myself back together into whoever I want because now I can be who I want. I don't need to hustle for worthiness or be somebody for somebody else. And this is the beauty of getting into this crone energy of being a middle-aged woman. Bring it. (laughs) I love it. You just gave me something else for myself in there too, because, you know, for many years, you know, people have asked me, because I I had my practice for eight years, right? And and I burnt out essentially from that, right? Um, And so, you know, for many years, people have said to me, well, are you going to get, would you get back to that? Like, would you go into that? And I absolutely adore complementary and alternative therapies. And I really do believe that there's a way to be complementary with medicine and exactly all the things that you did. Like I was part of that world. I was part of that world, which I realized after was another, um, like you said, another prop, right? Another try to fix her upper, another thing that let me do this, you know, and the the women that come to me are like, yeah, but just give me like the five point plan. And like, like, should I take more vitamin C? And like, oh my God, I was that woman. Yeah, totally. But I was also part of the system that I realize now that was looking at, yeah, yeah, let's like, let's look at your symptomatology. Let's get you on this. Let's get you on that, which of course is a big, huge part of it. I, I advocate that still to this day. But the reason I I realized later that I left my practice is because there was this huge missing piece of where I wasn't treating the soul. You know, I I wasn't treating that level. And now what you just described is, so I gave one of my clients a few weeks ago, I gave her homework and I said, you're not allowed to work on your business for the last three weeks of summer. And she was like, what? You know, because she's, as soon as I give her doing homework, I mean, she texts me like an hour later and she has the whole list of stuff she did. But being homework is the hardest homework that I can give my clients. And I wonder, what's your experience with that now, the being part now? It still makes me a little bit twitchy, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a long game, right? It's, uh, it yeah, is. I think it's, um, there's a bit of doing and a bit of being and a bit of do. It's a two-step. And you can only hop on one leg for so long. So I'm still a lifelong student. I'm a slow learner. Do you find now, Mandy, that you are more, yeah, I guess this is the best word, or you're more embodied now? In other words, you're paying attention more to your body's messages? I think so. I was going to say I don't really have any choice, but there's so much gratitude and it's also been a huge process of forgiveness. I'm writing a memoir at the at the moment about all of this and when I was there's a, my father who's passed away now was a huge part of this and I had a lot of resentment towards him. He was an alcoholic and he drove me and pushed me and I think a lot of my drive and achievement does come from that history that I have with him. And when I went on this journey, my book coach said, oh, you must find this whole forgiveness thing so much easier now that you've forgiven your dad and also yourself. And I said, what? Forgiven myself for what? I was sincerely perplexed by that statement. And she said, oh, for how mean you've been to yourself all those years, how you've driven yourself. And I don't usually have a shortage of words. And I just gaped for a moment. And it never occurred to me. It never occurred to me. I'm a smart person, but it never occurred to me how mean I had been to myself and how I had punished my body. 
even when my nutritional therapist recently had said, you need to stop all this, you need to clear your calendar. I said, can we just stop this maybe like in three months time? Because I'm, I'm just <laughs> a little bit too busy right now. So even though my body is crying for help, it's on its knees, I still don't want to listen. And I think part of this whole being journey has been to sincerely forgive myself for just being so out of touch and for being so disembodied. So I think now one of the practices that I do every day is just to, I know it sounds corny and it's so overdone, but there is this whole gratitude of just these legs have carried me through all that, you know, this, this tummy, which is a bit more comfortable than my achiever self would have liked. It's there, you know, it's, it gets me through every single day, it gives me somewhere to rest my arms when I cross them. Oh, so there's this coming, coming to terms that my body is different now. And that there have been consequences of my relentless achieving that are physical. And instead of being nasty to it and thinking like, oh, you let me down. That's when I was seething in bed in my recovery. I'm like, I can't believe my body's let me down like this. That's what I was thinking. And now I know that I've evolved at least a little bit because I can be much gentler in my inner dialogue with my body these days. So I hope that's a sign of being more embodied. Yeah, I, you know, I definitely think it is from this perspective, hearing you speak. Um, I mean, even just following the cadence of your voice. I mean, you, you, you are very grounded to me. I mean, obviously, we're friends. I know you and see you in person as well. And you are a grounded person to me, I would have said you're embodied. Um, but I loved the way you described that, because I think it is a work in progress for all of us. Um, you know, the way you described the relationship with your body. I mean, I've actually... I've actually used the words betrayal, right? Like my body's betraying me and mm -hmm. these, these harsh sort of words. And, you know, hearing us talk, it, it, it brings, I mean, it brings me back to this whole thing at the beginning of my journey many years ago. And it's, it's total cliche now, which is self-love, right? It's become this cliche, like, oh, well, you just need to love yourself more. Like, or it's just more self-love. But literally at the crux of all of this is that relationship to self, and making that your healthiest, you know, best companion. So true. Yeah. And I, I really embrace that as one of my top five things on my bucket list, being able to do, you know, not the outer bucket list, but the inner bucket list of really being a great friend to my physical body and loving where I'm at. Also this adrenal fatigue thing, because I, I, I didn't pursue treatment early enough and I just kept thinking I'm going to fix this I'm going to keep driving myself it's kicked off an early menopause for me I'm 47 and now my body is is in a completely different place and I'm also having to deal with that thinking like I did did I do this to myself or would this have happened anyway and so it's opening a whole new chapter for me of being in relationship with my body at this stage and I love the idea that there is, there is this wisdom, there is this being in our bodies, there is this being able to embrace a whole new era with excitement and anticipation and not look at it as like, oh, you know, the, that, that time in my life is over, even though I don't want to have any more kids, but there is this kind of mourning that I easily slid into. So this goes back to the body in, being embodied of just being grateful to be 
in this vessel and just to be in constant state of marveling at what the body is able to do and how it adapts to what we put it through. So it really is a tremendous piece of machinery that we own. Mm. Yeah, you're reminding me of, so I'm in a, I'm in a women's group right now with our uh, common friend, and she's been on the show before, Kendra Kunov, and um, she's walked us through this really awesome morning practice, which as someone who is still, you know, has the virus, so to speak, of this, like, just get it done, like, let's go, wake up, you know, start the day, right? Um, it's had to slow me down so much in the morning, and I'm going to share it with you because I wonder if you'd also uh, get something from it and for everyone listening. It's sort of like a good morning to your body, mm-hmm. and it's this, like, very, very slow intentional good morning to each part of your body it's like you know it's like good morning fingers and I touch them and good morning wrist and like literally every and you know at first you know of course there's that part of my brain that's like oh I don't have time for this I just have to get up and start doing stuff right (laughs) it's like I don't have time you read my mind right Yeah. yeah it's like that takes too long right and essentially when you do it it maybe takes five minutes like it doesn't take that long. And if you really get really intentional and slow, maybe it takes you 10 minutes, right? So it doesn't have to take that long. And I just remember the first few mornings of doing it, how completely wonderful I felt. Like I kind of floated into my day. I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm ready to go. And it really is just that slowing down and taking those few moments of what you just beautifully shared, which is being grateful, like being grateful for my legs that they carry me around and being grateful that I've, you know, gotten this far, um, in life, despite the abuse <laughs> I've, I've put upon myself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the whole self-forgiveness comes in. Um, thank you for that exercise from Kendra. It just reminded me of something else that I do occasionally when I feel like I'm getting up into my head again and becoming the head with legs that I was talking about earlier is I just put my hand on my heart And I put the other one on my belly and I just slow myself down and I breathe like that, even if it's Mm. just for two or three minutes. And I just say thank you because, you know, there's that whole gut brain thing that we have that that primitive brain that lives in our gut. And I just ask, what do I need in this moment? I ask my gut and I ask my heart and it's never led me astray. It's never given me bad information or bad advice so it's just remembering to do that occasionally, especially when I start getting all strung out and crotchety and annoyed about things. And <laughs> I love that's sign. my favorite word. I didn't think anyone else said that word but me, but now I know we're soul sisters, Mandy. <laughs> Some Canadian thing, maybe crotchety. Yeah, I love it. So my my well, one of my last questions for you is: Where do you still need support now? In other words, where do you find you're still? struggling it's still a little bit more like you can't there's moments where you've caught yourself and you could do hand and heart or uh, hand with your heart and belly that's great but where do you find that you still you know I call it going temporarily unconscious right where you just forget I still am not very good at putting boundaries into place I am a lifelong people pleaser and I love to help people and I love to say yes and I love to go places and I love to participate in things and sometimes I do that I over yes and I overgive much to the chagrin of this kind of budding new practices and sleeping more and meditating and all of these restorative nourishing things that are so easy to say oh I'll do it tomorrow uh, so I think if I really can start to inbuild this putting 
boundaries, maybe even into my to-do list, which sounds bonkers, but like, hey, make sure you're all boundary today. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> we I think have that, to schedule boundaries. <laughs> well, you know, they say I was, I just had a habit expert on my podcast and she said it takes between 66 and 120 something days for a habit to take root. And I know this to be true. So it's something that if I bring it into my consciousness and actually just think, do I really want to say yes to this? And this is something I learned from the tribe of mentors, Tim Ferriss's book. One of the one of the people he interviewed in there said, when you're actually presented with something to come to, attend, take part in, you know, a, d- a dinner, coffee with somebody, what this person suggested was give it a give it a yes or a no based on a one to ten rating. So it's so easy to say yes to something and over yes because it's six months down the road. And mm-hmm. then on the day, you're face palming like, why the hell did I say yes to it? I don't even want to go to this thing. And then you get radioactive and cranky <laughs> and everything else. So to stop that happening, because that happened to me a lot, I started to actually evaluate these things in the moment. Like, am I a real hell yes about this? Or am I a meh about this? Or am I no thanks to this? And on this numerical scale, what I read in the Tim Ferriss book is you're not allowed to use the number seven because we hide in the number seven. Wow. Like, yeah, it's a seven out of 10 for me, which is totally beige, right? It's a total place to hide. So if you eliminate the number seven, if is it a six or is it an eight? So you oh. get an invitation. Is this a six or is this an eight? See, game changer, right? Yeah. And that for me is a real great way of boundarying and it's a real wonderful practice for me to really start to remember to put myself into my life. I absolutely love that. That, that I just like, I got head to toe goosebumps with that because I didn't, I mean, it didn't, I didn't know that. And then as soon as you said it, I was like, Oh my God, that's so true. Like we totally do that. Wow. Okay. I really like that. I like it. Yeah. Audience is going to love that too. I love that. Oh, yeah. Mandy, eliminate I, the sevens. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I'm looking and we're already like almost at time. Could you leave us with your favorite nugget? Like what is the takeaway that was the, was the game changer for you that just started to shift everything for you? Because I know, I know there's at least a dozen women, if not more listening to this and on your story and my story going like, oh my God, that's so me right now. I can tell you immediately, do not ever believe the 2 a.m. voices. You know, when you wake up, and especially if you have burnout, often I was, I still am occasionally, I'm, you're awake in the night and listening to the night buses rolling by, contemplating life, and those voices at 2 a.m. in your head of, oh my God, it's going to go horribly wrong. You're going to be like this forever. It's going to suck. Your, your best days are over all you know those 2am voices that tell you to usually it's the opposite direction that's what I've discovered so the 2am voices have never been a friend to me so I just realized that they're there and they need to have that that's their mic time you know at 2am that's what well, that's when they're at the mic and I just recognize that they're there and realize that tomorrow morning things are going to look a lot different So no sevens and no 2 a.m. voices. No sevens (laughs) and no 2 a.m. voices. I love that. And if you are listening and you have 2 a.m. or 2.30 or 3 or 3.30 a.m. voices, know that 
take it from me, that is a sign and a symptom of adrenal fatigue. <laughs> so, you know, even even like don't listen to the voices, but also get thee to a medic, you know, um, get somewhere. Um, you know, usually it's subclinical at this stage still, but that's a sign. So I, I love that because it's a dual, dual thing, right? Don't listen to the voices and take that as a symptom that your adrenals are struggling um, and your cortisol is peaking too early, too high. There you totally. go. Don't listen to the voices, but take the message. Yeah, I love that. Oh, we're good, Giovanna. We're good. I know. What a team. Mandy, <laughs> thank you for being on this show. I always love speaking with you. I love that you agreed to be on and that you had me on your podcast. And I just love the conversations with another amazing, beautiful, powerful, heart-centered woman. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun to riff on this with you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 